Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to your Tuesday night edition of The Sea Report. And we are coming to you live on this September 21st, 2021 day. And I am your host, as always, Mr. C. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And welcome to tonight's Sea Report. All right. Oh boy, still getting set up here on the Sea Report, but we are here uh, in as quick a fashion as we could be. And I hope you guys are having a great Tuesday evening, afternoon, daytime. Perhaps you're on the other side of the world and it's already Wednesday. Either way, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard. Okay, so what do we have going on here? Man, we have had quite a day here today. It's been a fun day, that's for sure. Uh, popping in with you guys and hanging out earlier. We did a replay over on um, the foxhole.app uh, this afternoon of uh, last night's um, episode of the Sea Report. I'm sure some of you all were well aware. Well, now, if you're over at the uh, Twitch and at Cloud Hub where we uh, do our shows, we broadcast our shows in tandem with the foxhole.app. Um, uh, you guys were all good to go on that end, but we didn't, we didn't exclusive replay this afternoon over at the fossil.app because, uh, interesting enough, um, you know, uh, the, um, last night's episode would only show 17 seconds worth. That's right. 17 seconds worth of the episode, which, Hey, I kind of took it as a nice synchronicity and also as a good sign. But at the same time, ladies and gentlemen, I thought the report was just too important not to share, again, at least over at the foxhole. Let me tell you, man, like, uh, I don't know. I was really feeling last night's episode, even though we ran two, two hours over time, um, which uh, is something that does not happen often, but it is known to happen here at the Sea Report. Uh, particularly because, um, A, I either uh, have too many stories I want to share, and, and consequently in the past, I have actually nixed some of the stories that I was going to share in the interest of time, or B, I just get uh, too long-winded on talking with the friends and uh, just doing kind of like, uh, you know, off-the-cuff type of commentary. And uh, indeed, I guess last night was a night for that. I had uh, many soapboxes that I was uh, standing on last night. <laughs> And uh, with that in mind, well, we went a little long, but uh, it seems that uh, the episode was enjoyed by all. We covered a lot of information, uh, particularly uh, regarding uh, the Durham indictment of Michael Sussman, as well as, uh, let me see here, I have static, apparently. Well, I don't know uh, if, if you guys are experiencing static out there in uh, whatever platform you might be on, let me know. And I'll see if I can't make an adjustment right away. Uh, but as I was saying, um, well, I have static both on Foxhole and on Twitch, I'm being told. Oh, I don't know. Let's, uh, let us, uh, oh, we love our technical difficulties here over at the Sea Report. It happens. It's part of the beauty of being an unprofessional and live broadcast. Let's see what we got. We're going to do a bit more of live troubleshooting on the air. I can't, uh, I cannot decipher what would be the cause of that, but either way, we're going to keep on rolling because that is what we do here. Let's see what we got. 
You hear the other voice? Right? A bit more of live troubleshooting on the air. Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of a crack crackling there. Well, hopefully you guys won't mind it too much. I'll probably have to make some sound adjustments uh, as the night goes on. But uh, yeah, what was I saying? Oh yeah, we covered the uh, Durham indictment of Michael Sussman, the uh, uh, Perkins Coy partner, cyber expert lawyer, and also the uh, Clinton campaign lawyer, um, at least uh, in part hired by, at least as far as the indictment shows. A lot of information we covered in that, guys, because there's just so much information within that indictment so many individuals and agencies, organizations, businesses uh, listed and or named, inferred, implicated, however you want to put it. Uh, so we had to kind of peer through that today. I mean, last night and uh, get that information out. Um, the analysis, the breakdown of how that leads to the uh, Clinton campaign and uh, really brings up a lot of factors uh, considering uh, the Clinton uh, crime cartel. Um, and all of its characters. And, you know, I think, uh, at least in my purview, based on the analysis that was shared, as well as um, the rest of the information included in the indictment, as well as information from past indictments and hearings, uh, we can definitely see how um, all of this is connected in a much bigger way, in a way that many patriots and many of those who are awake and who read and or listen to uh, in independent media are aware of themselves, but to uh, have the information put into A, the judicial system, and B, into the public conscious, granted if they pick that, in that information up and share it themselves, uh, that uh, it's starting to paint a bigger picture in the official world, if you want to call it that, I guess uh, I guess the uh, pundits over at uh, you know um, fake names, uh, fake legacy mainstream media news outlets would call it the real world. Uh, in this reality, uh, it's starting to paint a bigger picture of what was really going on here, and we're starting to see the fabric of the conspiracy, the treason, and uh, um, all of those uh, types of matters coming together. Um, and uh, weaving to make a uh, a very 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 um, a very clear and um, uh, a very clear and a very uh, detailed uh, image of what uh, of what it is that actually happened during the President Trump years when he was uh, being um, he was being uh, tried and attacked on cases that have since been proven to be false taking America along for the ride and uh, trying to disrupt a dutifully and rightfully elected president, that being, of course, President Trump. So, yeah, that was uh, a bit of uh, what we were going into last night, uh, including another cast of characters from uh, Judge Christopher Cooper, who is the uh, husband of um, the now infamous Lisa Page and all of her uh, animus towards uh, President Trump, as well as her uh, lusting activities um, with Peter Strzok. Uh, very, very, very interesting information that needed to come out, that is for sure. But anyhow, um, yeah, uh, we talked about that. We talked about uh, the uh, justice for J6. Ah, heck, guys, if you really want and you're interested, I'm sure over at the foxhole.app, you could check out that replay now, as I'm sure it is now available and it's <laughs> glorious and immaculate for hours. Now, let me see here. You know, actually, I have not even checked if it is even available. I'm kind of just assuming so, but uh, yeah, it looks like it's there. 
But uh, for sure, ladies and gentlemen, 17 seconds, 17 seconds uh, of that, um, that episode aired originally. And again, I'll take it as a synchronicity. I'll take it as a sign. But uh, you only got 17 seconds. So I uh, saw some of you guys out there in the Foxhole app uh, joining us. Uh, Pill by the Rabbit, how you doing, sir, this afternoon? And uh, well, now we're back for the uh, fresh and uh, brand new live episode of the Sea Report. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Sherry Pittsburgh, good evening. Curious Cat, good evening as well. Hope you guys are doing fine tonight. Uh, what do we have on the agenda for tonight? Well, let's see here. I try not to do too many stories because uh, I don't want to run into a two-hour overtime again and hold you guys up from uh, the rest of your evening slash night slash anything else you got going on for yourself that you might uh, be wanting to do. Uh, we'll be talking about more uh, President Trump tribulations, as you guys know, as we get closer and closer to E, uh, to E, and in case we get closer to E, which would be... Uh, <laughs> I don't know how we went from A and B to E, uh, but uh, as I was saying, uh, whether uh, as we get closer to uh, either President Trump uh, being reinstated as president with the decertification of the 2020 presidential election uh, becoming more and more self-evident, not that it evidently outed itself, but uh, most definitely did um, um, have a whole bunch of evidence uh, come out that has since uh, kind of shined a light on the fraud and it has found its technical jurisdictional ways of uh, finding itself into the court systems to be actually presented as fact and not as hearsay or conspiracy theory. Um, or as uh, we move closer and closer to uh, the next election cycle, 2024, uh, we are sure to see a heck of a lot more um, obstacles come in the way of President Trump. And it seems that right now uh, we are most definitely seeing that uh, they are attacking uh, people who um, lie in the... Um, outer, uh, I don't know, sphere of uh, President Trump, uh, anyone who's kind of uh, orbiting the man, uh, whether they were involved in his finances, his business, his campaign, or his cabinet, um, they're coming after them hard. And it seems that all of this is uh, surrounded by, or I should say coming through, uh, printed publication. Uh, you know, um, the deep state does not know how to launder money as well as when they launder it through the publishing companies. And uh, they for sure have done that. In this case, we've had, what, at least two books out now. And uh, or it might just be one. Well, no, no, we have two. We have we have the one from the uh, former um, um, White House East Wing. Uh, chief of staff, uh, who's uh, publishing a book on what she experienced as a failed, um, um, uh, what do you call it, um, representative of the Trump report, Trump report, hello, the Trump administration. And uh, we have this other uh, book written by two hoo-hahs. Um, uh, their names I don't remember, and they are not important because we're not going to promote them or their book, whose name uh, I, I think I remember. Yeah, it starts with a P. And we'll leave it there. Uh, but uh, now we're seeing uh, now we're seeing from these uh, book deals, these publications. Uh, that's where they're getting the meat of their um, their uh, attack when it comes to those who surrounded the president, Trump administration, or the president himself. Uh, so we'll take a look at some of that tonight as uh, new things are developing. 
and also um, um, unvetted Afghanistans being welcomed with open arms by governors of the United States of America. Who are they? Who done it? Who agreed to this uh, to this um, um, heinous? Uh, don't say her name, Sean Joe. I just. <laughs> Hey, Jean-Joe. Hi, Babs the Queen. How you doing? Ice Queen. Well, I'm sure you'll take a queen also, right? But how you doing tonight, this evening? Um, but yes, uh, so um, yeah. Who, who are these governors who are uh, accepting such a, a heinous and dangerous, uh, um, uh, well, I mean, I guess it would be unfair to say uh, dangerous individuals, but the fact of the matter is, folks, they are not vetted. We don't know who the heck these people are. And we already have enough of a crisis at the border right now as we speak uh, that uh, I don't think we need to have any more unvetted individuals coming into the country. But alas, illegitimate Joe Biden wanted to pull a fast one on us. And uh, yeah, yep, indeed. And yeah, Virginia is taking them in also. And we, you know, there are some more, there are some stories on uh, y'all's gubernatorial race over there in Virginia that I wanted to touch on, but we won't be able to tonight. You know, as we're uh, approaching that time and uh, we have a whole bunch of Trump endorsees uh, who are uh, taking the battlefield, you know, taking the battlefield uh, in the name of America first and, uh, you know, constitutionalism and true patriotism. Now, again, folks, that's not to say that uh, these endorsees don't need to be vetted themselves. After all, we've seen time and time again. Uh, even those whom uh, President Trump endorsed uh, in his uh, orig in their original campaigns, what uh, whether that was two years ago or three or four, um, some of them have turned out to be sour apples, and uh, they have not uh, they have not uh, you know uh, um, they have not upheld uh, their end of the trust uh, that President Trump lent to them when he endorsed them in good faith, right? Uh, so it is safe to say they do need to be endorsed. Now, coming from my perspective, I will take their word for it. Uh, and that's not to say we won't do research. And if something jarring comes out, absolutely mention it. Uh, but in the meantime, um, it, it is up to us to hold them accountable if they go back on their word. We see uh, Anthony Gonzalez of Ohio, um, a representative who will not be um, um, campaigning for re-election Rather, he will be retiring to uh, build a stronger family, I guess is something along the lines of what he said. They will fall by the wayside as well. Um, and, uh, and that's just how it goes. Uh, but um, that, that's at least the way I look at these things. That's the way I handle it. Uh, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Sean Joe's pointing out uh, Romney and uh, McConnell stabbed President Trump in the back. Absolutely. Um, and then we also have uh, Connie Ketchup says, I don't care who he endorses. I don't trust any of them. And, you know, it is a shame that uh, the political climate, um, the way that these uh, politicians and elected officials have um, held themselves, you know, uh, and I wouldn't say they've held themselves up, but the way that they've held themselves, their behavior has created that type of uh, that type of feeling. And uh, I would say resentment towards a lot of these people. Um, because, uh, you know, uh, it's hard to find a good, honest politician today. And I'm pretty sure uh, honesty is not one of the um, words that would be related to a politician if it were in a uh, dictionary. You know, uh, they, they don't do quite well in that regard, nor do lawyers. But, uh, you know, at least I have to have faith, some faith in some people, right? Because otherwise it would be a very scary, dark, and quite cynical world. 
but that's just my point of view. So um, I'll take that as it may. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how that how that goes with that, and uh, we'll take it from there, guys. But that's why they are attacking, and uh, you know now we have these governors who are making this another crazy and strange move, particularly dangerous for their constituents. So we'll talk about that, and then lastly, Frouchy. I would say, I mean, it's just Frouchy in trouble again. I mean, well. Uh, the trouble is being laid out on the table now. Shall he actually suffer consequences? That remains to be seen. I won't say it won't happen because uh, I believe anything is possible. Um, and and uh, my sincere hope is they're just letting the bill stack up uh, against him, if you ask me. Ohio Kimmy, thank you for gifting the cookie and good evening. And uh, Katieman63 over in Twitch, good evening and thank you. Katieman says there's some inter there's some interference on your feed here, a bit of intermittent crackling. I apologize to you all out there if you are experiencing that intermittent crackling. I was throwing together things pretty quickly here in the last few minutes, uh, but you know, um, um, hopefully it will course correct itself. Um, uh, trailer Park Brett over at Twitch also says we need to stop all immigration. Well, you know, um, Trailer Park Brett, uh, immigration uh, is what made this country great. Uh, I would say I agree with that, except uh, I have no problem with legal immigration. Uh, that is to say, if you follow the course uh, that was set out um, to be permitted into this country, uh, I have no problem with that. I have family members who are immigrants. I'm sure dozens of y'all, and definitely all of y'all at some point in history, have uh, members of your family tree that also immigrated here to America. Uh, people in my family did it the right way. I remember being at ceremonies, watching them be sworn in, and uh, you know, hearing about all the things they had to learn, and I was like, wow, they make you guys know a lot more than they make our children learn in school these days about this great country. But uh, I, I also thought that was uh, on, 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 on um, a par for the course, you know, or course for the part, whatever, uh, as far as that goes. So I don't I do not uh, I do not disagree with legal immigration. I think Trailer Park Brett probably uh, left the house at that point. But uh you know, that's just how it goes. Humans are divided by different cultures. It's inescapable. Creating melting pots is naive and stupid, in my opinion, unless people assimilate into their host societies. Uh, and that I would agree with also, you know, um, as, as far as... Now, that's not to say that they cannot honor their culture, you know, um, and stuff like that. But uh, to create a socialist country because a bunch of Californians moved to different states. No, just kidding. <laughs> because uh, people are immigrating from socialist countries. Now we know, you know, if uh, you're an immigrant coming from a place in, I don't know, in Venezuela or, or you know, China or Cuba, you know, and you're trying to escape communism, you're trying to escape socialism and all its corruptness, um, you're not going to come to a country like America and try and change the country into what you came from. That absolutely is counterintuitive. And I think uh, the immigrants who come here are a little bit smarter than that. Now, are they smart enough not to be tricked by the uh, ever loving and ever uh, good willed uh, Democrat party? Absolutely, they're, they're liable to be tricked by that because after all, the Democrat party has been held in a certain regard, a very specific regard for so long, 
And I'm pretty sure the propaganda machines had a lot to do with that, as well as lying politicians and, uh, and, and the likes. So yeah, they can be tricked. Most easily they can be tricked. Um, but again, the misnomer here, of course, is that uh, Republicans are against immigrants. That is not the case. Conservatives are against immigrants. That is not the case. And uh, anyone uh, bold enough and brave enough to study history and peer a little bit deeper than the headline, I think, could figure that out for themselves. Because after all, we were all given, uh, you know, we were all given um, a, a certain organ that rests, I don't know, three feet above our, you know what, our tuchus. So <laughs> uh, with that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we, we absolutely do agree with uh, legal immigra immigration into the states, but that is not what we're seeing right now. Um, uh, let's see here. Connie Ketchup mentioned also, and Haitians sent back, get it now? <laughs> well, let me see. Uh, we, we know what's going on with the Haitians right now. And uh, someone once told me that my city is protected. Uh, you know, uh, that might be that might be on in otherworldly terms. But uh, that story about the Haitians coming out of Del Rio. Now, we talked about uh, through President Trump's statement yesterday in regards to uh the masses and masses of people storming across the borders. And of course, there's the video. I'm pretty sure you guys saw the video. We talked about it yesterday. Uh, I didn't show the video, but uh, I, I could I could venture to find it. Um, uh, but um, uh, in regards to into the Haitians, uh, as you guys might have heard, uh, there's what thousands of Haitians, right? Who, well, not thousands of Haitians, thousands of people amongst them, hundreds of Haitians, uh, who were, uh, on their way into America and, uh, they were taken to that camp, uh, in Del Rio. I think it's under a bridge of some sort, but, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the number of immigrants I read were there was 15,000, 15, 15,000. Now, if it's not 15,000, it's 6,000, but I'm pretty sure it's 15,000 if we have over 1,000 coming in every few days. Um, and uh, so the Haitians were rounded up. The Haitians were rounded up and uh, they were taken on a, um, a government chartered bus and they uh, committed mutiny on the bus, ladies and gentlemen. They uh, took it over, um, and uh, I, the driver was injured from what I understand. Now, this bus was on the way to San Antonio, filled with Haitians, unvetted Haitians, nonetheless. Um, yeah, the Haitians. Now, they escaped, the Haitians escaped. Um, and uh, no one is really looking to take responsibility for us. Uh, this um, ICE would not comment. I, the only thing ICE said in the last report that I read was that uh, they were aware that this had occurred and that uh, the Haitians attempted to escape is what they said. Uh, but, other, but other reports, not ICE, uh, did say that they escaped, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, so now we have dozens of Haitians on the loose throughout South Texas. No telling what that's going to look like. Um, let's let's play this video real quick in case you guys didn't get to see. This is what I was talking about. We are being invaded, like literally hundreds to thousands of people crossing the river. 
That, my friends, is an invasion by no other name but that. The migrant surge in Del Rio, Texas, is getting so bad they closed the bridge migrants were camping out under. Bill Malugin is in Del Rio, Texas, with the very latest bill. Yeah, Charles, good morning to you. Right now, we are live to you on a boat in the middle of the Rio Grande. We are heading to that international bridge right now. As we're on the way, take a look at what we come across here. This is just one of many spots here on the Rio Grande where you will see every morning, every night, uh, migrants just crossing back and forth between the U.S. and Mexico. We're going to keep our shots a little wider, not get too tight, because many of these migrants are nude and bathing in the river right now. But we've been watching it for the better part of the last 45 minutes. You'll see the right side where you're looking right now. That is Ciudad Acuna. Than Mexico, and we've got these migrants leaving Mexico, walking across the shallow Rio Grande, and just uh, illegally entering the United States, where they congregate and they walk further into the United States, where that bridge is. Speaking of which, take a look at this. We got our drone back up over that bridge right now. Stunning images. Yesterday, the numbers under that bridge were a little over eleven thousand. I'm told by sources this morning it has now topped over thirteen thousand. More migrants have been showing up to that bridge every hour, day in, day. In. Out. We showed it to you guys live on the helicopter yesterday. Hundreds of migrants streaming in from Ciudad Acuna. By the minute, you might be able to see in the drone shot that the bridge, there's no cars on it. The feds had to close down port of entry because of what's going on underneath that bridge right now. And again, these are mostly Haitian migrants as well as some from Africa who are coming in. Border patrol is overwhelmed, doesn't have the infrastructure or the manpower to process them right now. So they're using that bridge as shade. You can see they're setting up tent structures, structures with sticks and plants. It has gotten significantly more packed down there. And then take a look at this photo right here. A border patrol source tells me who was at the bridge last night that they're so overwhelmed, they're now having to bring in school buses from the local school district here in Del Rio to put some of these migrants on to start getting out of there. However many they are taking out on buses, whether it's border patrol buses or school buses, it's not stopping the flow because more people are placing the people who are leaving, and it's a level they just cannot keep up with. Back out here live on the Rio Grande, you can see again, we're not even at the bridge right now. We're trying to get over to the area where they're there's a lot of activity this on river and you'll find places like this all over the Rio Grande where people are crossing without any resistance whatsoever on uh, either side of the river. One last point to close out here at our hotel this morning as we were getting ready to leave. Our front desk told us that several of their housekeepers need people to show up to work today because they live in Mexico and the port of entry is closed. So you can't get across. They've got to divert 57 miles away to the east to Eagle Pass, Texas. These are people legally coming into the U.S. trying to work America going to Mexico. Mexicans come into the United States legally over the port of entry. It's closed right now, so you can imagine it's causing a lot of problems for people all over the area. Back to you. Hey, Bill, one quick question before I let you go. Once they get on those buses, where do they go? That's the golden question, Charles. We don't know. Uh, you know, we, we, we followed one for a little bit last night. It got onto the main interstate and headed towards uh, the Eagle Pass area. But we, we just do not know where they are going. The local facilities here in the Del Rio area are completely over capacity. So there's no room for them here. Wow. So they're having to take what, what I've been told for border agents is they're maybe taking them to stations in Alpine, Comstock, Elsewhere in Texas, possibly other states, they're having to surge border agents from the northern border to come down here and help. So uh, I'd love to give you a crystal clear answer on where all these buses are going. We just don't know right now, unfortunately. That is mind-boggling. Bill, you've been doing great work. Thank you so much. 
Okay, so that wasn't quite the video I was looking for. Still pretty informative. Y'all are probably like, that's an army, Mr. C? Man, you must scare easy, right? <laughs> okay, here's here's one that's a better description of what I was talking about. I don't think there's any sound on this, so uh, just take the images for what they're worth. And uh, yeah, let's let's play this one real quick. So we are looking at here, dear podcast listeners, is, uh, I would say, hundreds of uh, illegal immigrants pour across the river Grand, the Rio Grande. Now look at that. Imagine all of those people in, uh, I don't know, um, in uniform carrying guns. I mean, would that not be considered an invasion? This is an invasion, a 100% invasion of our country. And like I said, if uh, it had not been for President Trump um, screwing up the globalist's timeline of things, uh, uh, this number of people, we would they would have come in stealthily, they would have snuck them in, they would have been a little bit at a time because they would have had four years to do it. But because President Trump messed up their timeline, we get to see the uh, plan of the deep state in action in wide colors, they like they look like an army of ants crossing over, and that's a lot of people, like a lot, and there's still more coming from down yonder. So that was just a uh, an example of what I was talking about yesterday, and also in regards to President Trump's statement. Um, and there's nobody stopping them. Nobody stopping them. Just V. Good evening. Says, uh, "Where are the damn boats? You know, where's the border patrol? Where's anybody?" Who's stopping these people? No one is stopping these people. Would we allow? Uh, would we allow a uh, uh, an, uh, an enemy's army to enter our country like this? <laughs> no, we not. You know. So why is it that we're allowing this to occur? Why is nothing happening, Governor Abbott? Where the hell are you? You know. Now we do know that to Governor Abbott sent like what something like two hundred you know deputies etc down to the border, um, and this was probably about uh, I think yes or the day before, and they blocked the path, this one. They, they lined up their trucks and blocked it so no one could come back in. How long those trucks were there, I have no idea. Um, and if it, that is truly effective, probably not, uh, particularly since we saw a report where uh, downriver, you know, it's shallow, you don't need a rope. You notice they were crossing with a rope overhead. You see it there? I don't know if you can see it. But uh, yeah, so uh, this is happening now, ladies gentlemen and um boy oh boy guys like uh we we in trouble girls we are in trouble big time because this is going on right now and all right so yeah some some of those the, those are concerns especially to you over there in uh what is that uh trailer park brett especially uh especially now it's uh more concerning because it is not as you say legal immigration. Okay. I'm still getting reports of crackling in the air uh, over on the internet. Let me know, guys. Uh, Foxhole app, can you uh, let me know? Give me a five by five if you are hearing crackling in the voice over here because uh, I am uh, I'm getting uh, getting reports of that, and I just want to make sure it's not too, uh, too bad. Hmm. 
I don't know what could be causing that sound difference. Uh, let me make sure all my things are hooked up. I hear it. It's like a wispy crackling. Much Many apologies, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Um, it, it, I will, someone told me, someone told me that they heard it on Foxhole and on Twitch. So I'm not too sure in that regard. Um, uh, but I mean, I have really, yeah, these monitors are not uh, quality. So from far away says crackling. Yes. I apologize guys. Well, let's make this a quick report then. <laughs> Sorry about it guys. Sorry about it. All right. Uh, let's see real quick. Um, we got uh, day tripper. Good evening, sir. And welcome back. Good to hear you. Good to hear you. Good to see you. Um, Mitradate. Oh, we got to appreciate Mitradate, especially when uh, he uh, imitates, you know, the uh, uh, sarcastic liberal uh, banter. <laughs> Mitradate says, uh, since you are Hispanic, you must be supporting Beto for government. <laughs> I'll never forget when someone told me I must be a Democrat because uh, I'm Hispanic. Oh, Mitradate. If I did not know your humor, I'd be like, it's a good thing we're not in the same room with the gun, because if Beto didn't take it, I'd be using it. <laughs> Anyways, good to have you in the audience, friend, and welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, Pilled, Jessica says, snap, crackle, and pop, mostly crap. Hopefully it's the sound quality, not the quality of my words. Ah, just kidding. Uh, but thanks, guys, for hanging on in there. And uh, yeah, well, we will continue. Um, okay, I mean, I was going to mention coming a couple of because, like I said, a lot of stuff going on in the news today. Something did, well, not today and yesterday, still a lot going on. Oh, yeah, yeah, we also played uh, the um, uh, Project Veritas part one of their COVID, uh, COVID vaccine expose. Part two is coming up tomorrow, guys. So get ready for that. That might break into our international news for the first uh, 15 minutes or so. Uh, but we also had what? Um, oh, you guys, you y'all heard about that that shooting that happened at uh, Heritage High School in Newport News, Virginia. Man, guys, when that broke, I was like, oh, there we go. They didn't get their false flag, so now they're going to go ahead and start shooting up schools again. And of course, that's in reference to uh, the failed false flag um, event over at Washington D.C. for the uh, Justice for Juicy rally. Yeah. Um, so there's basically that. I thought that was pretty heinous and obvious, at least in my opinion. And then, of course, there was this other story that caught my attention. And uh, this kind of ties into the uh, illegal immigration crisis we have right now, uh, not forgetting that many of these illegal immigrants um, are children without parents. OK, uh, there was a report uh, that there was a high volume of shipping container boats just off the coast of California. Now, of course, uh, shipping containers and ports, you know, it's not an uncommon thing to see a couple of them out there at sea. Say, for example, uh, the port is locked, you know, and uh, it has happened. Boats will stack up in the distance in the ocean waiting to be able to dock but uh, they found that um, over 61 container ships were in the queue in San Pedro Bay in California. And that was according to the Marine Exchange of Southern California. The previous record for ships in queue was 21. So three times the amount plus of these container ships 
waiting to dock over at San Pedro, California Bay or San Pedro Bay in California. Um, so you know where my mind went immediately, guys, because, you know, I like to speculate and I, I, I have to stop doing that because it hurts my credibility. But um, I was like, well, now you know where all the immigrant children are going because they're like, we don't know where these kids are going. We don't know where these immigrants are going. Well, they're loading up on the boats and they're sending them out to uh, to market as what I think. Uh, but that's maybe that's a little bit cynical and maybe just a tad bit dark humor. Um, I, I don't want to say black humor because then they'll say I'm racist. Uh, but yeah, anyways, I was just like, yeah, yeah, far be it. There's a whole bunch of children inside those boats. Okay. All right. They got to make their money somehow, right? These uh, bastard globalist hacks. Okay, guys. All right. We're going to jump into our report now. And uh, Mr. President, Mr. Pr Mr. Trump, Mr. President Trump, uh, most definitely um, uh, leads at the sea report. And uh, we have a couple of statements from President Trump this evening. Let's see what we've got. Statement number one. Let's expand that for your guys' viewing pleasure. President Trump says the United States will soon be considered a third world nation. There's never been anything like what is happening at our border. Millions of people have already poured in, but many more that are coming. Oh, many more, but many more than are coming. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, we just covered that here, incidentally. Uh, so very true. Don't think we need to expand too much onto that. Let's see what his next statement says. Anybody that changes the name of the once storied Cleveland Indians to the Cleveland Guardians should not be running for the United States representing the great people of Ohio. The Atlanta Braves didn't change their name, and the Florida State Seminoles did not change their chant, but Cleveland has, and they were the first. Despite this, a man named Matt Dolan, the son of the owner of the team, said he is against cancel culture. <laughs> so he gives into it? It makes no sense, right, folks? Do these two things really work together? In any event, I know of at least one person in the race who I won't be endorsing. The Republican Party has too many rhinos. Ooh, scathing review for one Matt Dolan. And um, yeah, I uh, believe uh, President Trump already endorsed someone in his place, uh, or at least someone who's running for the same office. So um too bad for you, Matt Dolan. It's a shame that you look uh, hypocritical and stupid all at one time, but uh, I don't know. Lefty liberals and Democrat communists, uh, they seem to do that uh, pretty easily and pretty well most of the time. All right. Who's this man on the... Uh, this is not the man I wanted to be talking about first, but you know what? We'll roll with it. Okay. Uh, so this man here on the screen, uh, this is a, um, a Patriot commentator, um, better known as, uh, better known as Doug Weed. Okay. Now, uh, this, uh, story has to do again with the, uh, persecutions of President Trump and those in his orbit. And again, like I said at the onset of tonight's report, uh, it seems that they are attacking people via publication. That is the uh, money laundering schemes known as uh, publishing a book. Um, and uh, the latest book, uh, not to include um, the one written by, uh, what was her name again? Uh, Sean Joe. <laughs> we'll say her name since you threw it out there. 
Uh, what was her name? What was her name? I see it here in my notes here. Do, 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 do. Stephanie Grisham. Okay. Not the book by Stephanie Grisham, but the uh, first most current book uh, co-authored by two bozos uh, that were not to be trusted. In fact, uh, President Trump did uh, mention them in his one of his statements yesterday. Uh, good evening, Doreen Merck. And, um, you know, um, um, uh, okay, so this, this other book by these two bozos, right, um, it is really the book that they seem to be gaining most of their ammunition from. Uh, here's where we had the Mark Milley um, 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 occurrence, you know, him, uh, him basically uh, well, outrightly committing treason against the country and assisting one of our enemies. Um, and also, uh, let's see what other stories that we have coming out of that one. Uh, we had, uh, there was another story in there somewhere. It escapes my mind right now. Uh, but uh, for sure and for a fact, we do have this coming out now uh, in regards to uh, um, Doug Weed, who um, also authored a book about President Trump, uh, President Trump uh, during his office. The real story, uh, to paraphrase the title of the book, and uh, there seems to be this uh, big old uh, factor happening now, because uh, like we also covered yesterday in regards to the indictment that was issued against uh, President Trump's uh, executive of the Trump organization, Weisselberg, I think this was his name. Um, uh, they're expecting more indictments to come. OK, and uh, whether that was within the sphere of that particular probe being uh, uh, conducted by Cyrus Vance Jr., the uh, Manhattan DA who is hell bent on getting a feather in his cap. And that would be charging President Trump with some sort of crime, regardless of what it is, I'm sure uh, that there could be other indictments and other charges being brought against President Trump and those in his sphere. Now, uh, Doug Weed um, was uh, also um, um, was also um, um, charged with allegations of, uh, of uh, um, campaign finance violations, and he was not the only one. Now, uh, the Biden Justice Department, as well as the FBI, are um, going after this Republican presidential historian for attending a fundraiser in 2016 in support of Donald J. Trump. Uh, the Biden DOJ claims that Doug Weed went to this fundraiser with a GOP operative named Jesse Benton. And we'll get into Benton in just a minute. Now, Benton reportedly filled, reportedly filled out a form that he contributed $25,000 to the Trump campaign, but the Department of Justice says that the money actually came from a foreign national. So get ready, guys, because we're about to get into Russia, Russia, Russia again. Now, um, this was uh, what they released in their statement the uh, Biden DOJ. And I find this quite interesting that this was their statement uh, when it clearly reads like um, the indictment papers for a trial, either that or they got a hard on after uh, reading John Durham's uh, indictment against Michael Sussman and they decided to do it the same way. Either way, I, I, I kind of uh, question whether or not I would share it for that reason. You'll understand what I mean. But this is, this is what they said in their statement, not in their indictment. Okay, <laughs> It says, an indictment was unsealed today in the District of Columbia charging a Kentucky man and a Florida man 
both with conspiracy to solicit and cause an illegal campaign contribution by a foreign national, effect a conduit contribution, and cause false records to be filed with the Federal Elections Commission and related substantive offenses. Weed and foreign national number one attended the political fundraiser event for political candidate number one. I mean, this is their statement. It's not their legal lawful indictment paper. I mean, uh, political candidate number one. I mean, they just, I don't know. I, perhaps they felt like this would sound serious if it read like John Durham's indictment, which leads me to believe that they have hired absolute nits over there at the uh, DOJ, uh, putting this kind of language into their statement, their press release, okay? I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that the press was standing there and uh, scratching their head, kind of like, well, who's the political candidate they're talking about? <laughs> Who, who's the national number one? Uh, how are we going to write a story on this, DOJ? Anyways, okay, uh, it continues. I'm just tickled by it. Uh, the story continues. Uh, the the press release with uh, a lack of information continues. Uh, Weed and foreign national number one attended the political fundraiser event for political candidate number one on September 22nd, 2016. Foreign national number two. Uh, oh, and they're going to leave it up for the reporters to try and figure out who the hell they're talking about. It's uh, beautiful how stupid these people are. Foreign national number two, who worked as a Russian English translator for Weed, also attended. Um, all three individuals had photographs taken at the event with political candidate number one. Following the event, Benton, oh goodness, greatest me, sorry guys. <laughs> I did not just get booted from the foxhole, did I? Welp, my my dear friends, the Matt's bosses, you know guys, I mean, I, I'm small potatoes here at the Sea Report, but uh all of this will be recorded in history, I'm sure. So, um, well, I don't know. Maybe I need to donate some money to them. Okay, hold on. Let's see what's up. Let's see what's up, what's up, what's up. I might still be live, but I, I just got booted on two different computers. <laughs> this is insane, ladies and gentlemen. This is insane. Okay. All right, guys, over there at, um, uh, where are we at? over there at um, uh, Twitch and at CloudHub. You guys give me just a sec, and I'm going to try and work some stuff out. Uh, so let me see what I got for you guys in the meantime, because uh, this is not acceptable, but we will roll with the punches, as always. It says I'm still live. I don't know. Oh, are we still live, guys? I don't know if we're still live or not. Oh, it reloaded. Thank God. Okay, you guys probably just heard me saying a whole bunch of things over here. I don't know. I mean, I could check the rest of the Foxhole app and see the rest of the channels are computing uh, just for the sake of my, my uh, I don't know, my 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 uh, mental health. <laughs> yeah, look, I was going to say, it looks like everyone's spinning out, but it's not the case. Oh, it looks like someone else just got booted. Ooh. Let's see what's going on here. Yeah, it looks like there's a... No, I mean, it, it's a little slow on some other channels. But um, yeah, let me see. I got more. I got more news coming. Boy, are we are we going to? Uh, uh huh. Yeah, I got an, I got another message from an outside source. It says you're on. Yes, you're ranting. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, I got booted on two different monitors. Okay, I'm not crazy. <laughs> 
I am not crazy. Anyways, okay. All right. The case continues then. Yes. Uh, thank you, Doreen Merck. We're doing good over on Twitch. That's awesome. Um, um, okay. So, all right, guys. Thank you, guys. I apologize, but I literally got booted uh, simultaneously on my monitors. And it went to the replay screen. So uh, that that's not good news when you see it. But uh, it looks like we're still holding on. So, okay. All right, guys. I apologize for that hiccup. Now I have to figure out where I was. Um, okay, so yes, uh, we're talking about uh, these foreign nationals, okay, and uh, we're talking about uh, uh, their sins, basically, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I was in mid-thought when that happened, but uh, okay, so let's go ahead and continue with this. Uh, it says, following the event, Benton repeatedly represented a consult to a consultant working for Political Committee B and Political Committee C. Um, that he had already sent the promised contribution for the event, but in actuality, he delayed sending the contribution. Benton ultimately filled out a contributor form indicating that he was the contributor and used a personal credit card to make a $25,000 contribution. Benton retained the remaining $75,000 of foreign national ones uh, money because Benton falsely claimed that uh, to have given the contribution himself. Three different political committees unwittingly filed reports with the FEC that inaccurately reported Benton, rather than foreign national number one, as the source of the funds. Okay, so um, this, of course, it, if, if it stands as true, I mean, well, I mean, for those of uh, the, those in that uh, department that still do their due diligence and have integrity would investigate were it not Donald Trump, that might be questionable. I'm sure they might uh, turn an eye from it, uh, turn a cheek, I guess you could say. Uh, but uh, indeed, I mean, that seems to be the case. And uh, we'll talk about this Benton guy in just a sec, because this guy actually does have a history with this kind of thing, as uh, you guys will see. Uh, the uh, press release uh, concludes here from the DOJ, leaving again reporters around the world scratching their head. CNN's like, how are we supposed to report on this? We don't even know the names. Oh, we have to do the work ourselves. Damn. Well, uh, let's see here. Um, Benton and Weed are both charged with one count of conspiracy to solicit and cause an illegal campaign contribution by a foreign national, affect conduit contribution, and cause false records to be filed with the FEC. One count of contribution by a foreign national one count of contribution in the name of another, and three counts of making false entries in an official record. The defendants made their initial court appearance today before the United States Magistrate Judge Zia Faruqi of the United States District Court for the District of Columbia. If convicted, Benton and Weed face a range of maximum penalties from five to 20 years in prison per count. A federal district court judge will determine any sentence after considering the United States sentencing guidelines and other statutory factors. So now this uh, much beloved political commentator um, is going to face the gauntlet uh, because of his attendance and and all he did was attend, uh, but uh, he was in association with this uh, other fellow. Um, and uh, that, my friends, is where he gets wrapped up into it. And uh, the other fellow, fellow's name, again, his name is Benton. Um, uh, so with that in mind, Jesse Benton, 
Uh, we'll take a look at Jesse Benton. And uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for hanging in there through that weird loop. I mean, for all I know, that loop was just a uh, was just an, an earmark, you know, like a, a benchmark, uh, so that uh, people could figure out how things are running around here. Uh, but anyways, aside from that, uh, let's see here um, other other comments in that regard. Good evening, Plant Patriot, and welcome back. Uh, Plant Patriot says we are having heavy solar activity. Well, thank goodness for that. Coincidences. We just don't tend to believe in coincidences around the sea report. Uh, Just V says you looped a couple of times and went to replay for me. Then magic, you were back. Interesting, right? It's a placeholder. Figure out, uh, figure out what you got to figure out. Blue rents at Blue rents. Good evening from far away. Philly Q. Good evening. Wisconsin on. Good evening. Reloads. Wisconsin on. Yeah, it was spinning and freezing and looping and blacking out, and then uh, here it comes back. Um, let's see here. The Speak Uneasy. Good evening, sir, and welcome into the chat. Good to have you with us tonight, my friend. Uh, what, what, what's going on with you, Speaking Easy? Ah, it's Christina Fontana. Uh, aloha. Happy holidays. Thank you for the cookie. Blue rinse at Blue Rinse. And uh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Oh, Wisconsin on. Thank you for the cookie as well. Howdy, dapper as usual. I see. Thank you much. Um, that That's just for the C report, Monday through Friday, 730 to uh, end time. I come out in my suit and my tie. Um, I do enjoy dressing up. So awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let's get back uh, get back into the swing of things here. Cloud Watcher, how you doing? That's right, Cloud Watcher. There are no coincidences, and there are no ends to my uh, speculative paranoia either. Okay, so uh, let's let's talk about this uh, this Jesse Benton guy. Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. Uh, this is Jesse Benton. This uh, this uh, house of a man right here, Jesse Benton. Now, what's this dude's uh, thing? Uh, because he is again also being implicated in this uh, this allegation, this indictment um, uh, for uh, campaign finance fraud, basically. Uh, now, Jesse Benton, um, he he is a former Rand Paul aide. No bueno, right? Uh, associated with Rand Paul as well as Ron Paul. Um, he worked as a campaign staffer for Ron Paul, um, as well as uh, Rand Paul and, oh, well, looky here, Mitch McConnell. Now, in 2016, this man here, Jesse Benton, was convicted. He was convicted for campaign finance crimes relating to his role on the Ron Paul campaign. I'm thinking kind of like this uh, Matt Brainerd, you know, you kind of inject the uh, bad apples in with the good and uh, hope that other apples will catch worms, right? Now, uh, Jesse Benton was in fact pardoned by President Trump before he left office, optically speaking. Um, and uh, again, now uh, during the uh, Senator Rand Paul uh, years, no, 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 I take that back. Again, he was uh, he was um, uh, charged with channeling money from uh, Russia into the 2016 presidential election. The United States Department said uh, Justice Department of Justice said on Monday. So here you go, guys. Another Russia thing to kick it up. And, you know, if they really wanted to get Trump for Russia, 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 I guess they could have just gone with this story here. But I guess it would not have had the same weight as uh, Alpha Bank and the Trump organization kind of thing was doing. 
Now, again, they unsealed this indictment that was dated originally September 9th, alleging that Jesse Benton conspired to illegally funnel thousands of dollars of foreign money from a Russian foreign national into the campaign. Now, the 2016 case with Jesse Benton saw that uh, he received a $100,000 wire transfer from, again, an unnamed Russian national. And uh, he promised uh, him that he would get to meet a celebrity at a fundraiser in Philadelphia in 2016, September 22nd. So, um, well, I guess this would be the same case, huh? So now prosecutors did not name the candidate, but former President Donald Trump, according to this article, former, was hosting the fundraiser event at the Ritz-Carlton in Center City, Philadelphia, the night that it just so happens Jesse Benton and this uh, Russian national and Doug Weed were in attendance. Uh, the Russian national attended the fundraiser according to the indictment. The two are accused of falsely portraying the contribution as a payment for consulting work. Um, and uh, Benton kept most of it for himself again. According to the indictment, the rest was donated to the politician in Benton's name. Now, isn't it interesting that, uh, you know, if you're working uh, on the uh, Clinton campaign or as a staffer or for any member of the deep state, that you could do this kind of activity and you would get away scot-free? Well, it's an injustice, I say, and indeed it is, um, but uh, I mean, as long as they've been getting away with this kind of junk, um, that's not to say that it will always happen, um, but it says around the same time, Benton, who managed Paul's 2010 run for office, as well as the 2000 campaign for um, Mitch McConnell, he was convicted of campaign finance fraud over his role in the 2012 Ron Paul presidential campaign. He was sentenced days before the Philadelphia fundraiser to two years probation and ordered to pay a $10,000 fine. Before leaving office again, Trump pardoned Benton. Again, Benton and both Doug Weed will be facing a possible 20 years behind bars if convicted. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, but that is, again, another uh, sign of the times. Um, in, in the meantime, um, there was a, another interesting kind of tidbit about some spin that's going out there in the media in regards to President Trump and his campaign. And again, this spin is coming from um, those same two yahoos, bozos, yahoos, whatever you want to call them, uh, and their book that the media and the Justice Department are just eating up. You know, they're eating it out of the palm of their hands. They're eating it out of the, uh, out of the, um, the valley between their cheeks, guys. And uh, this one is quite insane. Now, according to um, a uh, story, a memo that was published in this book, um, they say that uh, a lawyer who worked with President Trump's legal team by the name of Eastman had uh, published a memo that had to do with uh, the uh, electoral, um, the elector selection for the 2020 presidential election, okay? Now, in the book, the authors call this memo an outright lie, okay? I found this to be very interesting. Um, the lie that they say that this uh, lawyer, Eastman, said in his memo was this. 
Seven states have transmitted dual slates of electors to the president of the Senate. Okay. They purport that as a bold lie, which I find uh, to be quite inaccurate, dishonest, uh, because we know that uh, several states had prepared dual slates for electors in the 2020 presidential campaign. And maybe this is a, a live omission on the part of the authors of this book. Maybe, maybe, maybe seven states had not transmitted those electoral uh, um, slates, alternate speaking. Uh, maybe, maybe it was because some of them were being hand delivered. But it is a fact that several states had prepared dual slates of electors for the 2020 presidential election. I mean, um, without sauce to speak of, uh, you know, I've heard stories about uh, a holdup in uh, um, the Capitol that day because they were trying to get Pence to uh, to um, acknowledge these dual slates, these uh, alternate electors. But we, but what I do know as a fact. Um, again, without presenting the sauce, but I read the stories and uh, I covered the uh, I covered the um, I covered the lawsuit here on the Sea Report. Mark Fincham of uh, Arizona, who is uh, heading up the ballot integrity project and is also running with the endorsement of President Trump for the Secretary of State office in Arizona, was uh, sued. He sued. He sued um, um, a certain paper for calling him an insurrectionist, thereby causing the Arizona legislature to question him and threaten removal. They were going to remove him as a state representative because he was in attendance on January 6th. Well, I should say he was present on January 6th at the Capitol in Washington, D.C., now, as the story goes, as Mark Fincham presented the lawsuit and had it uh, and won, um, he was not attending the Capitol Day event on January, on the 6th. That's not why he was there. The reason why Mark Fincham was at the Capitol on that day is because he was hand-delivering Arizona's alternate electoral slate to the White House. And after that, ladies and gentlemen, well, they called him an insurrectionist and they tried to have him removed, so he sued for libel. And it looks like we're death circling again. It's okay. It's probably because, I don't know, there's like uh, 30 shows going on right now at the foxhole.app. I just need to just not even write, like, okay. Um, okay, uh, well, the show must go on. <laughs> Uh, I know, right? Just he says, maybe it was six, maybe it was eight. And, and that's the extent of that. Uh, but either way, uh, that is exactly, exactly what, uh, what uh, I found to be quite interesting. And of course, uh, the authors say that's that lie spiraled out of control and basically uh, um, consumed the President Trump campaign or the, the uh, administration. And, uh, and from there on out, well, then came the big lie. But uh, we do know for a fact that Fincham was present to deliver those slates of electors to Washington, D.C. on that day. And how it goes from there, ladies and gentlemen, well, we will uh, find out. Uh, but uh, I hope you guys are enjoying the show over there at Twitch and Cloud Hub because uh, 
Indeed. Um, technical hiccups over there on uh, other platforms. Okay. All right, guys. So let's keep on moving on. Let's see what we got next for you. Ah, yes. We're down to the uh, Afghan uh, refugee terrorists who are uh, coming into America. Now, uh, I mean, there are certain rules, uh, standard operating procedures that, uh, uh, was it, um, political asylees have to uh, abide by. I mean, you can't just choose the country of your choice, right? Um, it seems that uh, is the case here now in America. Uh, no matter where you come from, no matter who you are, no matter where you're going, if you want to come here, by gosh, if you got bit by an ant and that threatens your life, you can come to America. You know, one, I mean, you know, I don't know. It's, it is just slightly ever so frustrating that these things are occurring here, but we have to keep uh, moving on. And uh, that's not to say we're going to ignore the situation by any means, but uh, most definitely uh, we need to be very attentive to it. Oh, now we hear safe Twitch is freezing up. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Well, I mean, they haven't canceled my bank account yet. So, uh, I mean, it can't be because I'm effective. <laughs> All right. Maybe I'm effective against someone. Um, but uh, let's see here. What do we got? So uh, we have all of these Afghani refugees who are not vetted, right? Uh, there were there were some reports of people saying that uh, the the individuals, the Afghan refugees, whether they were, uh, I guess, Afghans with proper traveling credentials that were fearful for their life, or they were those who assisted other governments, while uh, the uh, Western-backed globalist regime in Afghanistan was in power. Um, I've, I've heard reports that those people didn't make it onto the plane and it, they were basically switched out from um, other Afghanis, Afghanis. Uh, could they be Taliban? Could they be ISIS? Could they be other terrorists? We'll never know because they were not vetted and they are here in America now. Uh, but, uh, you know, as much of an uproar as this has caused across the United States of America... As much of an uproar as this has caused with uh, specific members of uh, elected office, um, it seems that uh, there are those out there who uh, are, are, are applauding Biden's efforts uh, to uh, um, assist terrorists into making it into America. And, and you know, it's not fair to say um, all Afghanistanis coming over here to America are terrorists. That's uh, actually quite ignorant. But I think it is safe to say that as long as they are not vetted, uh, that that is a high potential risk. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, what else are we going to do about it, ladies and gentlemen, other than uh, sit back and uh, wait? No. Write to our legislators, write to our governor. Uh, some governors are fighting back, but maybe not hard enough. Okay. Now, we seem to have a bevy of Republican governors across the United States that are publicly supporting Joe Biden's massive refugee resettlement operation. And it is uh, set to bring at least 95,000 Afghans to the United States over the next year, which again is ridiculous. We already have an invasion of the southern border. Okay. We already have, now we have an invasion of unvetted refugees pouring through what? The East Coast now? 
the East Coast is broken. I mean, that's I guess I'm assuming that's the side that they would come from. Now, last week, the Biden administration announced that the first group of roughly 36,000 Afghans brought to the United States at rapid speed were resettled across 46 states. And this did include Texas. I think they had 45, 4,500 maybe that came in to Texas alone. Um, it also included Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania. And my city narrowly escaped the Haitians that were coming over here. Now, the only uh, areas that are not receiving Afghan refugees are Hawaii, South Dakota, West Virginia, Wyoming, and Washington, D.C. Because naturally, you can't have a bunch of immigrants unvetted running around Washington, D.C., right? Um, but uh, the Biden administration has not given out so many details about where these uh, refugees are being resettled, other than that they're going to air bases, army bases. Um, but more Republican governors have come out to support this plan. Now, in August, without having vetted or screened any details, 10 of these Republican governors announced their support for the plan and asked Biden to resettle Afghans in their states. Would you like to know who these governors are, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, they might affect you. Ah, but wait. We'll tell you uh, the ones that did this in August included uh, Henry McMaster of South Carolina, uh, Larry Hogan of Maryland, Charlie Baker of Massachusetts, Spencer Cox of Utah, Brian Kemp of Georgia, uh, Asa Hutchinson of Arkansas, Doug Badusi of Arizona, Kim Reynolds of Iowa, which actually that does surprise me that Kim Reynolds uh, would do that. She seemed to be uh, very much against uh, having the illegal immigrants from Mexico come into her state of Iowa, but she's totally fine with unvetted terrorists hiding within the refugees that are also unvetted coming to her state in Iowa. Uh, Kevin Stitz of Oklahoma and Phil Scott of Vermont. Now that was in August. Now uh, this just in ladies and gentlemen, Eight more, eight more Republican governors are signing on to uh, Biden's plan. And I have pictures for these ones. Uh, let's see. We got uh, Kay Ivey, Kay Ivey of Alabama and uh, Brad Little, Bradley Little, or is it Bradford Little of Idaho? Eric Holcomb. Look at that head, guys. Man, what a head that guy has. I think he was a fish in a past life, maybe a guppy. Uh, but Eric Holcomb of Indiana is welcoming um, um, unvetted refugees into his home states at the detriment of his citizens. Uh, who's this? can barely see his face. Sorry for the uh, ejaculations, ladies and gentlemen. That is um, Greg Gianfort of Montana. All right, Greg. Yeah, this guy, <laughs> this guy is Pete Ricketts of Nebraska. And uh, man, look at those cannibal teeth. Man, how many kids' bones has he been uh, chewing on? I kind of wonder. All right. Uh, let's move forward. Yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it looks like I completely lost the foxhole.app. Um, my uh, RTMP signal has come forward here. 
that it says that it says that my RTMP server URL or stream key is not valid. So I will probably have to contact the bosses and uh, see if they can get that fixed or in, do some sort of inspection. As busy as they are, I don't know. We'll probably be facing this throughout um, because uh, that, uh, that that has that's nothing to do with, uh, I don't know, cyber attacks. It has to do with the uh, link between my uh, streaming service and their platform. So sorry, y'all over there in the foxhole.app. I don't know. If, uh, I'm just going to stop there. But uh, we will carry on. Or I mean, I could stop and try and restart it. But uh, I don't know, guys. I don't know. Um, okay, so let's continue. Yeah, Shanjo says two nights in a row for Mr. C must be pushing some buttons. I'm pushing someone's buttons, Sean. I just don't know who. Okay, cool. All right. Um, okay, so let's continue, guys, and uh, you know we'll we'll see if we can't fix this at some point. I'll I'll get in touch with uh, the bosses uh, when I have a chance, and uh, if they have time, I'm sure that they will take care of the situation. Otherwise, guys, feel free to email them. And not at Belushi1 at ProtonMail.com, because I don't think the mats have access to that one. Uh, but if you guys express your concern, um, I would definitely appreciate it. But, uh, well, let me get in touch with them first. And and if that, that doesn't seem to work, uh, maybe maybe uh, the free market will. All right, uh, let's see who else we got here. Uh, this is um, Chris Sununu. <laughs> I always enjoyed saying his last name. Chris Sununu of New Hampshire. Uh, Mike DeWine of Ohio. God, man, some of these guys make it so easy when I select their pictures. And then uh, we have, lastly, uh, Tennessee's Bill Lee. All of these uh, conservative rhinos um, have uh, welcomed these uh, Afghans in. Now, I mean, I'm not one to talk coming from a state like Texas where it seems that we already have these illegal immigrants bring, being brought in, well, I should say uh, refugees being brought into the state. But uh, with all of the other unvetted individuals coming across our border, I guess it makes little of a difference, right? Now, um, in Alabama, uh, they initially had only 10 Afghans resettled into their state. That is until Governor Kay Ivey said in a statement that America owes a debt of gratitude to those who actively helped our soldiers and diplomats stay safe during our two decades in the country. And Lord knows that th those are who they are, unvetted as they are. Now, hundreds will be resettled across Ohio. And uh, let me get uh, this, uh, let me get this Lee's face off the screen. Now, hundreds will be settled, resettled across Ohio. And uh, Governor Mike DeWine is quite thankful the refugee contractors will be uh, will resettle uh, for resettling the Afghans with taxpayer money. So that's right, folks. Your money will be paying for these uh, unvetted individuals. And trust me, guys, I, I am most definitely a humanitarian. Uh, but uh, we cannot uh, we cannot uh, you know um, we can't burn down the entire Christmas tree, guys. Like. Uh, you know, if one light bulb sparking, take it out, but uh, don't let it burn is kind of what I'm saying. And we cannot have this. It's not sustainable. Talk about things not being sustainable. This is not sustainable. Um, Governor Mike DeWine said, these are individuals who have been partners with the United States and deserve our support in return for our country um, who have, for our community, wait, 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 in support for um 
Oh, the support they've given us. Okay. Uh, thank you to the resettlement agencies and communities who have stepped forward and demonstrated that they have the resources necessary, taxpayer money, to help these individuals in their time of need. Okay. And uh, here again, guys, uh, <laughs> this is crazy. This is quite crazy. Um, and uh, I, I mean, we don't even know that these people were actually assisting any of the nations in Afghanistan in the 20 years that we injected our own Western-backed globalist regime under the false pretenses of, uh, you know, um, I was going to say Barack Obama, and under the false pretenses of Saddam Hussein, Saddam Hussein of freaking Osama bin Laden being in their country. Okay. Now, uh, Governor Bill Lee... Um, again, that's of uh, Tennessee. He told local media that he wants full transparency, although he's not getting the uh, he's not getting the car facts uh, uh, in regards to uh, whether or not they're vetted. Um, and uh, in regards uh, to uh, the uh, refugees coming in, he says whether it's persecuted Christians or interpreters who served with our troops, Tennesseans have the right to know exactly who is being settled here. While we await more information from the federal government, we are in direct communication with our congressional de delegates, members of the General Assembly, and local officials. Uh, earlier this month, when uh, the Biden regime announced that thousands of Afghans who have not completed their immigration processing would be housed at Indiana's Camp Atterbury, uh, Governor Eric Holcomb said he supported bringing Afghans to the state so they could take jobs. <laughs> And they took their jobs. In recent days, Holcomb has solicited donations from Indiana taxpayers, even though they're probably going to be paying for this anyways, to provide Afghans staying at Camp Atterbury with necessities such as clothes and hygiene products. Montana will have at least 75 Afghans resettled across the state by the Biden administration. And again, this is a plan that their governor, Governor Gianfort, fully supports. Gian Fort says Montana welcomes our fully vetted Afghan allies. They're not fully vetted. Or maybe that's why they're only getting 75. Because 75 of the bunch are fully vetted. Um, he says, uh, who worked alongside us have uh, left their homes in the face of the Taliban's re-emergence and merciless terror and seek freedom and safety. Now, again, in 2016, while running for governor... Uh, Gianfort campaigned on halting refugee resettlements in the United States, sharply criticizing former President Obama's resettlement of Syrians across the nation. Now, while Governor Pete Ricketts of Nebraska said he wants to be in Norfolk when um, the Afghans touch down for resettlement in their state to uh, publicly welcome them with open arms and personally greet them, Governor Chris Sununu of New Hampshire said last week that he is a lot more reassured after having spoken to Department of Homeland Security um, about the vetting process that Afghans will undergo while being resettled in New Hampshire. They are going to be re they're going to be vetted while they are being resettled. Makes no sense. Governor Brad Little wrote a letter to Biden stating that he and state legislatures would not tolerate any changes to the vetting process in order to expedite the resettlement of refugees, but said it is Americans' responsibility to provide safety to those who have stood alongside America, even in the most difficult of times, unless you happen to be 
13, uh, um, 13 uh, servicemen and women, um, or you happen to be Americans and those who assisted America and you're left behind. Uh, those people don't matter. But unvetted refugees, absolutely, ladies and gentlemen. Was that ever a question? Can you call yourself an American if you don't even consider the fact that um, we have to help these unvetted and unknown uh, refugees, possible terrorists? It makes no sense. Uh, but uh, what does nowadays in this upside down, inverse and uh, backwards satanic world? Now... It was reported that states, counties, and local communities no longer have the power to veto over refugee resettlement. President Trump signed an executive order in 2019, guys, that granted states and local jurisdictions the power to refuse refugees. However, as you might guess, Illegitimate joke Biden rescinded that executive order in February upon coming into office. So we can definitely thank illegitimate joke Biden and add that to the list um, of um, sins, faults, transgressions against the American people. Uh, uh, not only has he assisted an enemy, uh, by giving them $85 billion worth of uh, the most sophisticated military equipment this side of the world. Not only uh, has he supported a general who has assisted and aided uh, the enemy in uh, informing them of America's moves against their country, but now Biden has also assisted furthermore with the invasion of this country and it began on January 21st, 2021, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, we have to see justice. And that's why I say, just keep up the faith, the hope and the good works. And uh, we'll get there, ladies and gentlemen, we will get there. Let's go to the state of Georgia, where we'll be talking about the Georgia election in brief now. As you guys may have heard yesterday, they had a court hearing on whether or not uh, voter GA Garland Favorito and, Clue, and crew would be able to get their hands on the physical mail-in ballots to further their investigation into their findings of the image ballots that uh, they received there um, by judge's order uh, back in like, geez, June, May, sometime in there. Um, okay, so uh, this entire process was put on hold for like a month or two, uh, as ordered by the judge, and that would be a uh, one Judge Amaro. That's the man there. He looks like uh, now. This is this is a, I believe this is either an Obama or a Clinton appointed uh, judge of that time, right? Democrat. I'm surprised that this case got as far as it did, and that it hasn't been thrown out. But what I'm not surprised about and what we could expect is that Judge Amaro has put serious delays on this case. Uh, again, this thing started back in like March or April, was successful to a point, was put on freeze around May, was back in session during the summer, was put on hold again because of more indictments and, uh, you know, a county attorneys asking for time. 
So uh, finally, we arrive at mid-September towards the end, and uh, they're looking to get their hands on the ballots. Now, as we know, voter GA Garland Favorito were able to inspect a batch of um, um, mail-in ballots, but only their electronic image at a very low resolution. And in fact, that was another one of the holdups. Now, the long game, ladies and gentlemen, this is a good example of it if there was ever one. You know, we went from a hold because of an attorney saying something to a hold because um, they needed to work out the process for getting a higher resolution on these ballot images to a hold because involvement with other uh, members uh, being called to a deposition to another hold. And now we're here. OK, it, this has been an over a six month process. It's taken so much time. It is a test of our patience and our faith and our um, willingness to do good work, okay? So yesterday at the hearing in Fulton County, Georgia, Judge Brian Amaro gave the state election board and the Georgia Bureau of Investigation 20 more days to explain to the court what's been done to investigate counterfeit ballots in Fulton County, Georgia, after one of the defense attorneys claimed the counterfeit ballots were already being investigated. Now, none of us and nowhere has it been reported anywhere from Georgia Local through the National that the Georgia Bureau of Investigation was involved in investigating counterfeit ballots in the 2020 presidential election. In fact, this has been way outside of their purview. The only thing that we have heard about the Georgia Bureau of Investigation is that uh, a gubernatorial candidate, Vernon Jones, whom I happen to like, um, has been calling for a forensic audit by the Georgia Bureau of Investigations. This, as much as I respect um, um, Vernon Jones, is a bad move. You cannot have a Georgia state agency who is most likely staffed by Happy Faces, which is owned by Stacey Abrams, to perform a forensic investigation of their own state election. You need a third party or an independent party to do it. Okay, so Vernon, that's my thoughts on it, sir. I know you probably won't hear this, but you, you just can't do that. Now, that's the only way that we have even heard about the GBI being involved in this case. Well, apparently, again, one of the defense attorneys in court at this hearing said that the GBI was already conducting an investigation into um, election uh, fraud ballots. So because of that, Judge Amaro ended the hearing, granting them 20 more days to explain this, which means another delay. Okay. Bleh. Right, ladies and gentlemen, more delays, right? Um, justice just keeps getting cut off here, just like my feed. Um, on Monday evening, Garland Favorito, who is the co-founder of Voter GA, who is a Democrat, or at least he did not vote for Trump, he released a statement on the hearing. This is what Garland had to say. And uh, I really like Garland. God bless that man. He says, today the court confirmed several things. There is prima facie evidence of election fraud in the affidavits from senior poll managers who swear they handled counterfeit ballots in the Fulton County hand count audit. The equal protection and due process claims of the petitioners are valid allegations of constitutional rights violations based on the evidence. 
The petitioners obviously have, oh, wait, wait. Uh, an inspection of the ballots must be made to determine if they are counterfeit or whether or not the constitutional rights of the petitioners have been violated. The petitioners obviously have the correct standing to pursue their claims. We will be delayed another two months because the attorney representing the Democrats on the Fulton County Election Board provided what we believe is obvious false information to the court. The GBI has never interviewed Susie Voiles, conducted an investigation into counterfeit ballots, or claimed that Susie Voiles recanted any part of her affidavit. Now, Susie Voiles, if you guys don't remember, I'm sorry, I meant to put, that's a Garland favorita right there. Let's bring the man up onto the screen. There's Garland. Hey, Garland, how you doing, buddy? Um, Susie Voiles is the, uh, what, the 20-year election manager for Fulton County. Like, she's run elections for at least a decade and participated with the, uh, with the process for at least two decades. In her affidavit said she saw things that would frighten the fish, things that she'd never seen before. Uh, identical ballots, uh, you know, um, untampered, uncrinkled, unfolded ballots. Just the list goes on and on of discrepancies that caused great uh, concern and intent for her as someone who is proud to participate in this patriotic process that is our election, um, our election duties. So um, that's that's who Garland Favorito is speaking with in regards to uh, the the um, Georgia Bureau of Investigations. Now I'm pretty sure because Susie Boyles is in touch with um, Mr. Favorito here that she would have told him that there was at least contact if if not able to you know give details into the topics of conversation. Now um, on Monday night last night, um, Garland Favorito had an interview with the Gateway pundit. And uh, in that interview, Garland said that the judge basically said that their case of um, ballot fraud was rock solid. And this is why I love Garland, because this man, as long as this case has been pushed back in the face of the evidence and the challenges that they have been met with since they started this endeavor, has kept a positive attitude about everything even when you have a lying attorney give bad information that further delays the case, this man does not seem to stop, give up, lose hope, or get, you know, he doesn't even seem to get frustrated. I mean, he's very soft-spoken, so maybe I just can't read his tones. But he's like, oh, no, this is great information. The judge basically said that we have a rock-solid case. Like, <laughs> it's been delayed, and this man is still like, we won. We won. I love you, Garland. Sam, uh, Garland also said that um, Samuels, who is the uh, lawyer that made this lie in the uh, court, uh, said that false uh, said that it was false information that the GBI was investigating uh, because he assured that they are not. And then he also said that uh, they claimed the judge's order was blocking their investigation. So. So basically, the trick here is uh, Fulton County uh, defense lawyer goes up and says, uh, well, the uh, Georgia Bureau of Investigations is already uh, conducting this investigation and they can't because your order is blocking their investigation. So you need to throw it out. Garland said neither of that was true. And and absolutely so. 
they asked the judge to throw the case out. They asked the judge, they asked Judge Amaro to throw out the case. Did not happen. It did not happen. Um, but again, uh, Garland reassured that the GBI absolutely positively was not conducting an investigation going into the counterfeit ballots or even Susie uh, Voyle's affidavit, uh, which begs the question is, can the attorneys get away with these lies in court? Uh, 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 to Garland's um, um, knowledge, opinion, purview, uh, he said that uh, as a lawyer, since they're not the defendant themselves, they can get away with saying whatever they want to say in the court of law. Um, but uh, well, he should say I sh uh, specifically, a lawyer can lie in the court as much as they want because their words are not considered evidence. And that's true in any court. They can commit perjury all day long, every hour of the day, because they are not under oath. And that's what Garland says in regards to uh, the Fulton County attorney lying about this. And, you know, but the thing about it is, guys, I mean, if I were a judge and uh, the decision that I was going to make based on that case came from false information from a lawyer, and I guess that's why you don't listen to liars, I would be miffed enough to throw them out. That's personally speaking. I don't know if that's a legal move that you can make as a judge, but I would. Uh, let's see here. So, uh, yes, so about two months is what they're looking for. And uh, Garland says that they can get proof that there is no investigation going on. So that that's, will, that will present some kind of standing, I'm sure, for him in court. If he can show the judge that you delayed this for 20 days at two months because the lawyer lied to you. But again, guys, like I said, Judge Amaro... Democrat, appointed by Democrat House, whatever, what have you. Uh, he might just very well be part of this game too, but uh, at least the case is still moving forward in any regard. I'm going to stay as uh, happy-spirited and hopeful as Garland Favorito. He is, my, uh, he is my role model on how to stay positive in the face of this adversity and time-wasting uh, just activity. Um, so Garland concluded that they were not expecting their attorney to stand up in court. Again, we're talking about Fulton DA's, uh, Fulton County's attorney and make a make an, uh, make believe uh, and make what they believe is obviously false statements to the judge. Um, but again, they do believe that they can prove this in the court of law that they are lying. So that's where we will go from there. So in regards to uh, the next move for the Fulton County uh, forensic audit of the ballots, we're going to have to wait to see when we can get our hands on the physical ballots. Uh, there's already plenty of evidence, however, um, to the fact that there was some type of fraud or gross mismanagement, especially in the, uh, in the ballot counting sheets, um, as has already been reported, if you guys remember that. Now, that's not the only flavor we got coming out of uh, uh, Georgia. Uh, I apologize, guys. There you have it. It is one Bradford... Um, Bradford, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, what is going on here? Hey, uh, oh, Bradford, Bradford Raffensperger. Sorry. Uh, good evening, good evening, guys. Uh, let me see. Hey, DJ Ping, what's going on? Good to see ya. DJ, uh, DJ Miss Kit 8171, how you doing tonight? Welcome into the chat. Curious Cat says, uh, hope Garland runs for office, um, after we decertified Georgia. That would be great if he did. Um, that would be great. That would be great. But yes, uh, all right, Just V, I apologize that uh, everything is breaking down over here, but uh, that's just the way it goes sometimes. We're going to press forward. Maybe tomorrow I'll do a reboot. 
just to, you know, have fun. Let's talk a little bit about Bradford, though. As you, uh, Secretary of Snakes, guys, if you guys uh, are interested, this is Bradford Raffensperger, Secretary of Snakes for the state of Georgia. Now, Bradford received a little love letter from President Trump last Friday, okay, that has uh, caused everyone in the uh, streams, uh, by that I mean like the media streams, not the uh, live streams, to just go crazy. Oh, this President Trump who called and bullied little Bradford. Well, President Trump, can't you learn to pick on someone your own size? Leave little Bradford alone. Yeah. Well, in that letter to uh, Bradford, as uh, we uh, talked about um, on, uh, I think it was on yeah Friday last week, um, uh, President Trump uh, again uh, asked Bradford Raffensperger to decertify the 2020 presidential election. Of course, bringing to mind the uh, tens of thousands, if not more so, of um, um, discrepant ballots that have been brought to the point, and uh, also questioning again the certification of an invalid election. Now, the biggest thing here we're talking about is the chain of custody documentation, which is required by law for ballot transfers. Now, Raffensperger should never have certified this election knowing that there would be uh, ballot, uh, ballot integrity issues as far as a transfer and uh, chain of custody. But again, guys, as we've pointed out here on the C-Report, Bradford knew everything that was happening on the ground on election night plus 10 when it was happening because he had a spy that was taking neurotic notes about every little thing and chain of custody was definitely one of the topics that his note taker mentioned in his letter okay along with other things along with the videos that showed uh, you know these uh, election officials pulling uh, bins of election ballots out from underneath the table once they'd sent the staff home and triple and quadruple stuffing them through machine counters all of that Bradford was privy to. And yet Bradford, being as corrupt and uh, particularly grotesque in this picture, responded by ignoring the complaint from President Trump and claiming that President Trump knows that he lost. Now, Bradford, that is a lot of moxie you have, my friend, considering that your entire lie is falling down around you, sir. A lot of moxie, my friend. Uh, as much as it might disgust you all, my friends, we're going to hear from Bradford now. I think this is the first time we've aired him on the Sea Report. Uh, we've talked about him a lot. That's for dang sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, first time we've aired him. So let's get that interview uh, he gave, of course, to uh, the uh, snakes. Oh, uh, tonight, uh, okay, sorry, guys. It's this. This woman's going to set you guys off. Trust me. She, she set me off. Uh, because, again, these people, they they act like as long as uh, you lie big and loud and repetitively, uh, they'll be forced to believe it. That, I believe, is the tactic this harlot is employing here in this interview. And it makes me sick. But uh, it'll color up tonight's report. What can I say? That is the demand coming from none other than the former president, Donald Trump. And it comes in a new letter to Georgia's Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger. The secretary is out front exclusively to respond for the first time to Trump's new attempt to overturn the results of the election nearly 
11 months after the election. So Trump claims in his letter that there is a new report of invalid ballots and says, quote, I would respectfully request that your department check this and if true, along with many other claims of voter fraud and voter irregularities, start the process of decertifying the election or whatever the correct legal remedy is and announce the true winner. Now, I just want to be clear that that letter was sent three days ago. The election, of course, was 321 days ago. The election results have been certified and audited again and again, and the true winner is still Joe Biden. Trump did not win 321 days ago in Georgia, and there's been zero evidence since to change that. In fact, in Georgia, just the state of Georgia alone, they have performed three recounts and numerous investigations. So not only is the letter baseless, but it again shows that Trump doesn't care at all about the rule of law. In fact, he refers to Joe Biden as an illegitimate president. Now, there is already an ongoing criminal investigation into Trump's earlier attempts to pressure Raffensperger to overturn the election. If you don't remember why, you may want to refresh your memory because it's partly because of this call Trump made to Raffensperger on January 2nd while Trump was still president. All I want to know is this. I just want to find uh, 11,000... 780 votes, which is one more than we have, because we won the state. No, he did not win the state. Up front now, the Republican Secretary of State of Georgia, Brad Raffensperger, who is also the author of an upcoming book about the election and what he went through in standing up to Trump for the facts on the vote. And his book is called Integrity Counts. So, Secretary Raffensperger, I appreciate your time um, talking to you about this. This is the first time you're commenting on this new letter from the president, you know, which he refers to uh, Joe Biden as an illegitimate president. Uh, what was your initial reaction when you read the letter? Well, good evening, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm a lifelong Republican. At the end of the day, I have to always put, you know, my duty to the Constitution and to our country above all. At the end of the day, we've done audits, we've done investigations, and some of those are still ongoing, so I can't comment on those. But President Biden did carry the state of Georgia. So let me ask you about um, the timing here. You got this letter three days ago. The election was 321 days ago. Were you even given what he said to you on the phone, even given the things he said before, were you surprised to receive this letter three days ago? I think uh, at some level... He must know that he did lose the election because his, his advisors, his lawyers, told him that he lost the election. In fact, books are coming out that uh, told him where the polling was coming into the election. But people are using elections in this narrative to really disrupt and destroy confidence in the election process. Like you said, we've done three counts on this, the initial count, 100% hand recount, and then did a final scan count. And all three results were very close. And at the end of the day, President Trump came up short Georgia. We checked and ran the trap plans on every allegation that was made. I wrote a 10-page letter to Congress, and I've highlighted all of that in my upcoming book. It's called Integrity Counts because integrity does count. It always has and always will. Well, I, I, I hope you're right in that. I, I believe in that myself. I want to read a specific claim that Trump makes in this uh, letter. He says, enclosed is a report of 43,000 absentee ballot votes counted in DeKalb County that violated the chain of custody rules, making them invalid. Now, he's referring, of course, as you know, to a report from a pro-Trump website, which does not question the voters or the ballots themselves, right? Uh, but they actually, their, their questioning is on how fast the ballots uh, were actually transported. So, well, they call, yeah, go ahead. Tell, tell me your response. 
as soon as we uh, were notified of that, we began uh, an investigation several weeks ago. And coming out of that, the first thing that you noticed is that the DeKalb County election official took an extended leave of absence. But we have an ongoing investigation of that. But to your point, the ballots themselves were approved and are lawful ballots. But for processes uh, violated, that's where we're investigating right now. Let it come before the state election board. So you, why do you think Trump sent this letter now? I mean, as opposed to, you know, he's had 11 months and he's been very vocal in those 11 months. But why do you think he sent this letter now? Well, he's been leaning into and propagating the big lie. And he's been fundraising off this issue. I know he'll be here in Georgia this coming weekend. So you'd have to ask him what his motivations were. But at the end of the day, we've looked at every single allegation that's been made. We really make, want to make sure that we have a true and accurate results. People said that there were thousands of dead people that voted. It was less than a handful. They also told us that over 66,000 underage voters voted. There were zero. They talked about unregistered voters voting. There were none of that. And so uh, we have really made sure that we've been very thoughtful and thorough in our responses. But Trump, President Trump, I'm short in Georgia. Out front. Ah, can't stand her face. Um, this gag here, I mean, you know, guys, you know, she was like fifth in line to be on TV. And so she's just coming out with as much, uh, you know, gusto as she can. And, and again, uh, clearly, if no one is following anything that's going on about the election audits, the fraud that's come out, the investigations, uh, you would believe her, especially since she sounds so dedicated and with such conviction about the words that she's using, you know? Um, so, uh, I just, uh, it just totally bleh with me and setting me, I was just like, okay, Lee, okay. Like, you know, it's bold faced lies, bold faced lies to the American people about what's really going on. Fortunately, we're at a point in time where people can see it. You know, and uh, that's part and parcel with why they're losing their audience and viewership and also their trust and respect with uh, with uh, viewers, you know, globally and especially in America. Uh, second of all, in regards to that clip, that uh, that sound bite that they used to President Trump in his phone call with Brad Ferd Raffensperger. And also his uh, his attorney, who was present and uh, and also up to date with everything that was going on on election night plus ten in Georgia, in Fulton County. Uh, that's the same soundbite that uh, the Washington Compost used to demonize Trump as a bully back in November. Of course, you know back then they weren't uh, saying that this was um, you know um, uh, election election interference. Uh, they weren't trying to throw the book at President Trump as, uh, you know, they're they're doing in regards to uh, Trump and others for making that phone call and asking the question. And again, cherry picking the moments that help push their narrative forward. That piece of the conversation taken totally out of context as we've listened to the entire conversation here at the Sea Report some months ago, knowing full well that uh, all of the concern and all of the evidence or at least uh, substantial uh, not uh, well, at least um, evidence that had been um, tallied up at that time um, um, showed that there was a big enough discrepancy to not certify this election 
And now you have little Bradford who has to reassure his audience that he is a lifelong Republican, but willing to get on with the communist enemy and share his thoughts. You have little Bradford, little Bradford, uh, who's trying to be a big man because you know he has many sleepless nights, ladies and gentlemen. And again, totally turning his back on his people and then his party. Because everyone knows uh, Bradford is not a lifelong Republican. We did a story on the uh, agency that uh, makes great Republican stars out of, uh, you know, um, Democrats uh, who are going in to infiltrate. And I, I really believe that that's where Bradford comes from. Uh, but yeah, so that they continue to push that. And Bradford apparently is tripling down now. Uh, and she keeps asking, why? Why do you think it is that Trump is doing this now? Why do you think he made the statement 300 and some odd days after the fact? Well, could be because perhaps the hammer is about to fall. At least that's my opinion as I see it. And hopefully my thoughts shall create that reality. Uh -huh. But I mean, no, guys, seriously, seriously, though. Uh, with uh, the chain of custody issues happening in Georgia. And, and I might add, before I jump into that, when Bradford's talking about the thousands of dead voters, right? And there was only a handful and the thousands of uh, uh, people over a certain age that voted and there was zero. Well, Bradford, how would you feel if we did a canvas of Fulton County, just like they did in Maricopa County in Arizona? Would you be saying the same thing then, Bradford? Would you be singing the same thing from your jail cell? Well, let me tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, I know why the cage bird sings, and it's because they're afraid of losing their liberty. Now, as far as the uh, discrepancies in Georgia, we've already seen through the uh, image resolution um, problemed ballots, <laughs> they were still able to figure out that there was a huge discrepancy with the ballot tracking sheets. Huge discrepancy. Okay. So that alone right there, serious mismanagement, gross mismanagement, or possible fraud. Who done it, right? Uh, and then, of course, we have the video evidence as well of uh, the, again, the election workers. This All of that adds up. But then we have to go back to the chain of custody, ladies and gentlemen, because the chain of custody has been proven more of a uh, hard fact against uh, what uh, Bradford and the CNN, which are uh, espousing to be Americans. And uh, we know that there were huge chain of custody issues in Fulton County. This was reported by the Georgia Star and other local newspapers that were actively pursuing information in regard to the chain of custody. They are asking counties to turn in their chain of custody. They were not receiving that information. Okay. And to this day, to this day, okay, in May, the number of um, ballots that did not have the lawfully required chain of custody was 350,000, okay, in May, okay? That was in Fulton County. To this day, the number remains, okay? Now, that essentially means that one in four absentee ballots in Fulton County did not have proper chain of custody documentation. 
Now, we've gone through chain of custody and talked about it a lot, but to be sure, for those of you who may not know, chain of custody basically means if you go to a ballot drop-off box and you pick up a stash of ballots, you count them, you write down that number on a piece of paper, you write down the date, the time, and the location, and you sign your name, and then you transfer it to the uh, ballot counting processing center. That, in most states, should be done within an hour, okay? When you get to the uh, processing center, you sign off at the time that you left that those ballots, and the person receiving them signs off that they received X amount, date and time, place. And if those ballots in that processing center goes from one room to another room, anytime it changes hands, okay, very reasonable to require this type of documentation for such an important an important um, 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 event, you know? You need the chain of custody. It is required by law in all 50 states, okay? They don't have it in Fulton County for one in four absentee ballots. 350,000 votes, ladies and gentlemen, do not have proper chain of custody documentation. And Biden only won by 12,000. That says a lot right there. But now, aside from Fulton County, we also have DeKalb County. And this was a much later development, more recent on our end, that it was reported in DeKalb County in Georgia that there were 43,000 ballots without proper chain of custody documentation. That puts us at almost 400,000 ballots in two counties, only two counties in the state of Georgia. It kind of gives you a hint of exactly what kind of a landslide President Trump had if the Democrats had to fake 400,000 votes just to get 12,000 votes over the line. Can you say landslide, ladies and gentlemen? I'm telling you, the Amish came down from the mountains. If the Amish are coming down, that means everyone in the city is already voting, guys. Like, it was a huge landslide. But we as the patriots need to remain patient, maintain our faith, and do some good work, you know, to ensure that this does not get memory hold. Because with a tone and a dedication, a conviction like that woman on CNN just spoke to, you would want to believe that Trump did lose 2020 and he's crazy and uh, Biden is the winner. Just based on her tone, her conjecture, and her conviction, her power, her punctuation, and her posture. You gotta believe this woman. Man, she was trained well, if anything, right? Either that or she just needs the job that bad. But that's why we have to, we cannot let things like this get us down. <laughs> I should say, Mr. C, you should not get upset when you watch stuff like that because it's expected. Oh, you're right. I shouldn't. Thank you, higher self, for reminding me. But, um, you know, that's kind of what I'm talking about here. So there's that. Uh, and and uh, I, I suspect that little Bradford will probably be eating a lot of his words in the future. I am not counting on it. But um, I am expecting it. Or is it backwards? I'm not. Ex no, I'm expecting it, but I'm not counting on it. That's right, because I have to count on it. That means ooh, I'm putting a lot of money on the line. Enough money to count. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So that was a brief update from Georgia. 
Let's hop on. Oh, whew, that photo is much too small. Where are you going, boy? Get back over here. There we go. There we go. Oh, oh, no, we want to see you. There we go. That's much better, isn't it? Fraud she. Okay, guys. Last story for the night. We'll get into Fraud she. Um, a couple of things going on with him, and uh, we will bid you adieu before we head out into the sunset or into the moonrise, however you want to see it. Uh, so what's going on with uh, this uh, Dr. Frouchy, he who should be behind bars, he who has murdered or at least caused the murder of millions of people around the world, responsible for all that he is, Frouchy is. Now, um, according to um, an article that I found, it appears that um, there is evidence that uh, Dr. Fauci, if you want to call him doctor, um, was funding 60 different projects at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And all of these projects were in conjunction with the Chinese military. Now, it has been suspected and reported that some of what was going on at Wuhan was happening uh, at the behest and also at the watch of the Chinese military. Okay, that there was definitely a connection and an involvement between the Agency of Science, supposed, and uh, the military, Communist Party. Now, these revelations came out about uh, Anthony Fauci, um, director, again, of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, and also the uh, chief medical advisor to uh, the president, in resident, current. Now, um, it was first noted that the Wuhan Institute of Virology in 2020 and in April of 2021 noted that the Institute experimented with live animals. Um, it was also known that all of the work in virology in China is connected to the Chinese military and therefore any work in China in that area is in conjunction with the Chinese military. Um, but now a new report has come out from a news agency in Australia. Um, Sherry Markson of Sky News has a new book coming out that basically is a culmination of all of her studying into Anthony Fauci and his work at the NIH and with the Wuhan Institute of Urology. Now, in, in the video, this is where we get this information that in the report, I should say, that uh, he actually had agencies funding 60 different projects in Wuhan at the Institute of Virology. Um, so why don't we give our attempt to Sherry Markson of Sky News and uh, let's check her report out, guys. What does she got to say? Because uh, I'm sure we are all interested in more of these uh, damning informations that come out against this uh, murderous individual. You see that penalty she goes. Sherry, Sherry, are you there? Well, tomorrow night on Sky News, after months of work on the whole documentary team here at Sky, finally our investigation into the origins of COVID-19 will go to air at 8 p.m. And it's going to be terrific, so make sure you watch it. It's, it's uh, 8 p.m. for an hour, a lot of new revelations in it. I'm really looking forward to finally showing it to you all. As you know, I've been investigating Fauci's, Anthony Fauci's involvement in funding 
coronavirus research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology for months now. Uh, some of these discoveries I have already reported. I found out that his agency had funded 60 projects at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. I found out that he wrote a paper back in 2012 where he argued that gain-of-function research, that's genetically manipulating coronaviruses to make them even more dangerous and more transmissible, Fauci said that this was worth the risk of a pandemic. And he even funded research, his agency funded coronavirus research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology in conjunction with the Chinese military. I mean, this is just astonishing and unthinkable. Why would America be funding research at a Wuhan lab in conjunction with the Chinese military? Fauci was up to his neck funding research in Wuhan. And it's something he himself, eventually, just a couple of months ago, had to admit. It was incumbent upon us to study the animal-human interface and to understand what potential these viruses have of infecting humans, which then might damage the United States. So please let me finish. So you don't want to go to Hoboken, New Jersey, or to Fairfax, Virginia, to be studying the bat-human interface that might lead to an outbreak. So you go to China. This just shows how incredibly stupid Anthony Fauci is. If there's a contagious coronavirus outbreak in China, obviously it's going to affect the rest of the world. And that's exactly what we've seen with this pandemic. What sort of public health official doesn't understand that outbreaks can go global? It's unthinkable that he is still the top medical advisor to the president. He should have been sacked by now. I found out when I was writing my book, What Really Happened in Wuhan, that Fauci didn't even tell his own boss, and that's the health secretary, Alex Azar, that the Wuhan Institute of Virology was genetically manipulating coronaviruses, or that this research was funded by America, or, again, still, he didn't even tell him that the ban on gain-of-function research had been lifted in the United States. Instead, he rammed through the decision to lift that Obama-era ban on gain-of-function research. Now, here's what's new. In a documentary that airs on Sky News tomorrow night, I ask President Donald Trump about this. I ask him if in the early days of the pandemic, when Fauci was sitting there in the Oval Office, in every single meeting as the virus was breaking out, if he ever spoke up and told him that he actually knows that there's a lab in Wuhan called the Wuhan Institute of Virology that was engaging in this research that was genetically manipulating coronaviruses, creating these Frankenstein-like viruses. Here's a sneak peek. Have a look at what Trump says. Did he ever once mention to you that the Wuhan Institute of Virology was genetically manipulating coronaviruses? Well, no, he didn't. And, you know, Anthony's been in government for many, many years. He's a uh, bureaucratic kind of a guy, a great promoter. I give him an A-plus as a promoter and probably a C or a D as a doctor. So that's former President Donald Trump admitting that Anthony Fauci stayed silent in Oval Office meetings at the start of the pandemic. He had kept quiet on everything he knew about the type of risky research that was underway at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Never mentioned his agency 
was funding this and that he actually knew a whole lot about it. In the documentary, we also hear from Chinese defenders who amazingly first discovered that there was coronavirus spreading in Wuhan back in October 2019. Why did you have any sense that the intelligence agencies in the United States in November 2019 were taking this seriously, that there may be a virus spreading in Wuhan? I felt they were not as concerned as I was, so I tried my best to provide more detail and information. They may not believe a government of a country would do something like that, so I kept repeating myself in an effort. I tried to persuade them. And this is then a, a point that I take up with former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, and I ask him, how concerned he is that the intelligence agencies might have either missed this or either didn't act on these serious warnings that were coming in from highly credible Chinese defectors. And, and Wei Jingsheng, who you just saw there, he's known as the father of China's democracy movement, is the most famous Chinese defector to the United States. His defection back in 1997 made global headlines. So I asked Mike Pompeo how worried he is about the possibility that these warnings were missed and even whether this is a pandemic that could have been prevented had he paid close, not he, but had the agencies paid closer attention to the intelligence that's coming in, heeded the warnings of people like Wei Jingsheng. And Pompeo makes some very strong remarks. So don't miss this tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Don't miss it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, 8 p.m. Australia time? Hmm, that's gonna be like in the future, so that means we'll be in the past. Huh. Well, we'll see if we can. Oh, tomorrow's international. Hey, it's International News Day, and President Trump's gonna be on an Australian network. I think that's in bounds, don't you guys think? So if we can get that, uh, if we can get that interview up, I guess if it, I guess yeah, I think it, I think it should hit our our timeline here in America in time to make the report for tomorrow, we might have a President Trump interview tomorrow from Sky News uh, in Australia. Sounds good to me, sounds pretty good. So there you go, that is the report by uh, by the uh, lovely, uh, what was her name again? Sherry Markson. Uh, she's got a book coming out, How that's exciting, don't you think? Um, uh, one that's not be used to launder money. <laughs> But boy, oh boy. And, you know, so again, with, with this coming out, and then let's not forget about the work uh, that The Intercept was doing in receiving a FOIA, like basically a, a dump drop of uh, documentation um, in regards to where the funding for the Wuhan Institute of Virology came from. They got 900 pages that told the tale of, uh, of um, EcoHealth Alliance receiving money from the NIH and, of course, them funneling that money over to uh, do bat coronavirus research in Wuhan, as well as uh, uh, how to react to an outbreak in rural areas, which was also slated to drop that grant in 2025, which means I think they had a lot more in store for us but all of that was negated when President Trump got into office and also created this vaccine that so many of us loathe to hear about. 
uh, from his lips, at least. Um, but uh, I mean, that's how that goes, guys. I mean, I guess if President Trump said, yes, the, vac the vaccines are bad, don't take the vaccines, they can kill you, he'd probably be receiving lawsuits from two-thirds of the country saying, then why did you create them? You're responsible. You've been saying you did it the whole time. So, I mean, come on, guys. That's a, that's a piece of the pie I never even thought about before. He faces total liability if he says that they're bad and evil and knowingly gave it to the Americans and the world. Uh, but that's just... Uh, that's that's neither here nor there at the moment. Uh, all right, last story with Fauci or Fraudchi. That's gonna hurt this man. And this is interesting enough, too, because The Lancet which is apparently the world's leading medical journey journal. Um, they're the ones who published a story that said that uh, hydroxychloroquine is deadly and not to take it. Of course, that story was then found out to be false and it was retracted. But now I guess the Lancet is seeking redemption uh, because the Lancet has published a new article that explicitly condemns the letter organized by Dr. Anthony Fauci, Peter Daszak. And uh, Peter Daszak is of EcoHealth Alliance, whom I just mentioned, received the money from the NIH and then funneled it to Wuhan. And uh, Daszak has also said in interviews that gain of function with the coronavirus can absolutely be deadly and something that they are interested in working on. Uh, the letter also, I mean, uh, the article also condemned um, Jeremy Farrar of the Welcome Trust and other people. Now, this is an article about a man named Jeffrey Ebright and 15 other top scientists eviscerating Fauci and Dazak in their medical journal. Now, on February 1st, 2020, when confronted with his first evidence the COVID pandemic may have originated in the Wuhan lab, um, which again was funded via Dazak's Eco Health Alliance. Fauci organized a conference call to discuss how to suppress this dangerous information, since he trail since the trail led right back to them. And it seems all of this uh, word uh, dancing and bouncing around uh, the main idea here that Fauci does so well could be, you know, signified in this phone call. Now, on February 19th, 2020, Dazak, Farrar, and others published a letter in The Lancet saying that they understood together to strongly condemn conspiracy theories suggesting that the COVID-19 um, did not have a natural origin. So it didn't come from a bat in a fish market or whatever the heck that thing is that they're saying. Now, the letter was then used to suppress and also censor the Chinese lab leak theory in mainstream media and on social media for more than a year. Uh, this is uh, another wrap-up smear campaign, but uh, not quite a wrap-up smear. It's just uh, throwing out a, a false narrative, gaslighting perhaps, throwing out a false narrative, and then uh, hoping, hoping, pushing that idea and bulldozing over any other counter-ideas. Um, and again, uh, there is and there remains no evidence that uh, their claim is true. No evidence whatsoever. Ah, oh, look at the, look at the little loser. Oh, look at little Tony. 
little Tony, a little loser. Okay, so um, um, now this new article from The Lancet gives Tony Fauci this face. Um, the, uh, the Lancet, again, um, is uh, Jacques Van Helden created, and he is uh, of, of Aix-Marseille University, and I probably said that wrong because I do not speak French, in France. Um, Richard Ebright of Rutgers University and 14 other authors skewered Fauci's apologists' unscientific fake news, which claimed overwhelming support for the hypothesis that the novel coronavirus causing the COVID-19 pandemic originated in wildlife. The authors associated any alternative view with conspiracy theories by stating, we stand together to strongly condemn conspiracy theories suggesting the COVID-19 does not have a natural origin. Now, that is the authors of this article saying that. They are saying that anyone associated with that statement, conspiracy theories. They go on to say, um, oh, yeah, that was part of it. They go on to say that um, contrary to the fake scientists' claim, there is no direct support for the natural origin of SARS-CoV-2 and a laboratory-related accident is quite plausible. They also said there is far there is so far no scientifically validated evidence that directly supports a natural origin. Neither the host pathway from bats to humans, nor the geographical route from Yunnan, where the virus most closely related to SARS-CoV-2 has been sampled, to Wuhan, where the pandemic emerged, have been identified. More than 80,000 samples collected from Chinese wildlife sites and animal farms all proved negative for SARS-CoV-2. Ooh, that's quite the bomb drop. Oh, Mr. Fauci. Uh, let's see. In addition, the international research community said uh, the international community has no access to the site samples or raw data. Ah, suppression of information and evidence much, I see. And that's in relation to the Wuhan lab and the COVID outbreak. Um, and that is attested in the article. Now, even the WHO director general, an uh, individual by the name of Tedros Ad Adhonim, Adhonim? <laughs> Adhonim. Adhonim. Oh, God, the last name's even harder. Uh, Tedros Adhonim Gibrasus uh, declared that all hypotheses remained on the table, including that of a laboratory leak. A laboratory leak origin of the pandemic is plausible. The authors find some unusual features of the SARS-CoV-2 genome sequence suggesting that they may have resulted from genetic engineering. Can we say gain of function, ladies and gentlemen? Ebright and colleagues also skewered Fauci's stooges for placing unity and their political agenda over critical evaluation and science. They said, as scientists, we need to evaluate all hypotheses on a rational basis and to weigh their likelihood based on facts and evidence, devoid of speculation concerning possible political impacts. Contrary to the first letter published in The Lancet, we do not think that scientists should promote unity. 
We support the call from the Director General of WHO to promote scientific evidence and unity over misinformation and conjecture. That was their uh, statement. As shown above, research-related hypotheses are not misinformation or conjecture. More importantly, science embraces alternative hypotheses, contradictory arguments, verification, refutability, and controversy. Departing from this principle risks establishing dogmas, abandoning the essence of science, and even worse, paving the way for conspiracy theories, Dr. Fauci. Instead, the scientific community should bring this debate to a place where it belongs, the columns of scientific journals. Ladies and gentlemen, are we seeing a resurrection of science? Are we seeing a rebirth of the scientist? Is common sense and logic and dignity and, and, and pride in one's self and sense of morality on the rise? Ladies and gentlemen, the scientists, are they fighting back now? After they, uh, after they bungled all of this uh, together and uh, allowed it to go on for so long, have we reached that point? I hope so, ladies and gentlemen, and I pray so that we are finally at that breaking point. And uh, it, it might have taken Australia being shut down in the worst way possible, as an example for the rest of us, it might have taken... Hundreds of thousands, if not a couple million people dying. I'm, I'm not sure on that number. How could you trust it, right? Destroying economies, destroying families, ruining a generation of children. Is that what it took for these people to finally stand up? I mean, just like we saw yesterday in uh, the Project Veritox COVID vaccine expose, guys. What does it take? for these individuals in the know to finally stand up and say something. I don't know what pushed their button, ladies and gentlemen, but uh, I'll take it. I'll take it like a Nicki Minaj red pill, guys. I will take it. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude today's Mr. C Report, The C Report. Um, we're only 20 minutes over time, so we did uh, we did a far better than last night, but uh, last night was also a really good report. I, in my opinion, I, I think it was one of my better ones, even though it was very long, but uh, I thank you all again for your attendance. I apologize for the technical difficulties on our home platform. We still love it. We still support it. Ladies and gentlemen of the audience, if you are on Twitch or on CloudHub, get, you, get yourself a pill.net account. Get yourself a foxhole.app account. Go see where the real stories are. Go see where freedom of speech is not censored. And we respect each other for that. And we love each other for that for a fact. Um, but, uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, I guess this would be an address to the, um, Foxhole family specifically. Um, apparently I'm still live over there, so I am going to hit the scratch in. <laughs> 
So if you're hanging out over there in the foxhole.app and listening over here on Twitch, uh, go get your scratch-off ticket. Or, or those of you on Twitch, go run over there real quick. I'm still live over there. It's just pinwheeling, I think, is what I'm seeing. But uh, why not, right? You, you earned it. Uh, uh, let me see here. Let's see if it works. I released this scratching. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, okay, I did release a scratching. I guess uh, we'll see if it works or not. But in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we will be back tomorrow at uh, 7.30 p.m. Central Time. Now, I don't know if this episode is going to replay on Foxhole. Um, the only, and uh, again, other than the fact that I thought last night's episode was totally necessary, um, the only other reason why I will do a replay is because I, I mean, one of one of our one of our beloved uh, one of the bosses is going through some hard times right now, and I don't want to bother him with uploading my videos. So if this one doesn't hold, then I'll do a replay tomorrow just for the foxhole.app. And I don't know if I'll be hanging around in the chat rooms this time because uh, I was getting pretty far behind on today's report, hanging out with you guys. And that's not to blame. It's just because I love uh, I love being around you guys. But either way, thank you all for joining us on Twitch and on Clout Hub. It's much appreciated. Great to have the audience. I know a lot of you are fa Foxhole family members. DJ Ping. Thank you for joining us and also for the raid. Uh, it's most appreciated, sir. And I look forward to seeing you over on the foxhole or at pill.net as well. Um, until then, and until next time, ladies and gentlemen, be safe, be blessed, and as always and forever, God bless America. You guys have a great night. We will see you tomorrow.